Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and beginning with the 10th verse, the Apostle Paul is speaking, and I think the Apostle Paul is speaking far beyond what literal knowledge that he really had. And I simply mean by that, that here's a man that was caught up in the Holy Spirit and is expressing something that is far, far above his time and his age in which he lived. Let us listen to it. According to the commission of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And another man is building upon it. Let each man take care how he builds upon it. For, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as though through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise and their craftiness. And again... The Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So let no one boast of men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future. All are yours. You are Christ, and Christ is God's. May it please God this morning to help us somehow to understand what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us about life today. Now, there's a man by the name of Mel Fisher. And I won't ask you to hold up your hand to see how many know or have heard tell of or read about Mel Fisher. But Mel Fisher is a man that I believe that most of us from our youth up, especially the young men here, and even the young ladies, too, would like to be involved to some degree in the occupation that this man has cut out for himself in this world. He's been doing it for his youth up, I suppose. And now he's a big-time operator in it. Now, if you would go with Mel Fisher, you would find that he is the man that's been in pursuit of lost treasures. He is the man that you remember that has been checking on these old uh, ships and gowns that have been uh, that sank years ago, shipwrecked and otherwise on the floor, that had billions of dollars in it. Now you just discovered the one, I think they call it uh, Tella, is it? The Tella, the manifest says it had uh, somewhere in the neighborhood 500 bars of silver that weigh some 70 pounds apiece. 
And he's already discovered, I think, what is it, some 70 of them or 100 of them. The thing has a board more than a billion dollars worth of, of silver and gold. Now, you remember he got in trouble with Florida, the tax people, and they came in and said, to, well, part of this find of yours, because he's discovered millions of dollars worth of goodies, and it brought them back from the ocean floor. And no, he said it didn't belong to you. It was outside the eight-mile limit. And so the federal government said, no, it doesn't belong to Florida. It belongs to us. They always want to get in on a good act. And so you remember they came in and carried off much of his silver and his gold and his precious stuff that he has found from the treasure chests of the sea. And then it was taken to the Supreme Court. And what was it? Last uh, fall sometime, or maybe it was this spring, I lose track of time, uh, the Supreme Court said it did not belong to the state of Florida, nor did it belong to the United States. It belonged to old Mel Fisher. <laughs> and so he got back, what was it, $6 million worth of his goodies that had been confiscated by the government? Well, I read an article, perhaps you did too, in the National Geographic. And I think here's where I saw it. I sat down when, uh, at the bottom of the closing of this uh, interview with Mel Fisher. He said that uh, after he had discovered and has found this fabulous well that he has been searching for all of his life, he says, seemingly the only other thing that's left for him to do is to find that lost city, Atlantis. And he is going to go in search of that. Well, who knows? He may find the thing. But now suppose, just in your mind that you're capable of, travel with me for just a moment. And think that instead of looking for bars of gold and silver that's more than a man can carry any one single one of them, that in this, this lost city that we are told that about that sank and disappeared under the water years ago, that within this city was a fabulous temple. And we know the manifest of this, of the papers on it that we have, that it tells us that it is laden with gold and silver and precious stones. But there's something that's even more important in this temple than that. And that is, in this temple, at the altar, is a secret to happiness. Is a secret to happiness. Now, if we can find that lost city, we know the temple is there. And we know within that temple is a secret to happiness, and the formula has been cut and chiseled into the hardest stone that man knows. And there it is. Now, we want it. Because we have experienced uh, happiness from time to time, uh, but it seems to flee from us. We have experienced happiness when we bought that new home or when we bought those things that our homes are filled with or when we took that trip. For a little while we experienced uh, happiness, but it has faded. We may have experienced happiness at our birthday, the first one we remember. Or that that job that was hard to get that we wanted so bad. Or at our graduation. Oh, we felt happy. But lo and behold, it fades from us. And it is gone. And we would like to discover what can really bring happiness. We know that money cannot buy it. If money could buy it, there would be many people who would be extremely happy. We know that things will not give it to us. Because if things would give it to us, all of us would have had it long ago and it would be bright and shiny today and would not have faded from us. We know that things will not give it to us. 
For a long time we thought that comfort and ease and peace would give it to us. But lo and behold, when we come to the place where we have these things that things can give to us, we check our lives and only to find that the happiness that we thought would come has faded from us. We thought if we were elected governor or mayor or manager or made a boss or supervisor, happiness would come to us and it did for a little while. But lo and behold, when we check our lives again, we find that it is gone. But now, I am about to discover the secret of life that will bring happiness to this life of mine all the days of my life. The mystery is going to be solved. And I am going to be in charge of this lost information and give it to the world. The city has been located. The temple has been found. And now you're into the inner sanctum of the temple. And you're ready to cast your eye upon that piece of marble that contains a secret and to see what is written there so that you will have the information that is the secret of life. Perhaps it is even like our altar. You climb the steps. And now you see chiseled into the altar. You're close enough to read it. And you begin to read. You notice immediately that it's only one line. And just a few words. Just one line. And you notice that you can read it immediately. And you begin to read. Whosoever trusteth in the Lord. Happy is he. And you look at the fine print, and it says Proverbs 16.20. You must be kidding me. It can't be. You have deceived me. I am already feeling a great letdown. But, beloved, before you give in to your negative thoughts and your feelings, I want you to think about what this man in Proverbs said, what the Apostle Paul said, and what other men have said about this business of finding happiness that stays with a man all the days of his life. The father of our modern psychology within the United States, William James, not a preacher, but listen what this man said. He said the greatest discovery of the 19th century was not in the realm of physical science. Oh, really? Well, I thought it was. The greatest discovery was the power of the subconscious mind touched by faith. And every human being is the limitless reservoir of power which can overcome any problem in this world. Now, he was not a Hebrew. He was not a priest. He was not a preacher, a layman. But that layman is saying exactly and precisely what the writer of Proverbs discovered 2,000 or 3,500 years ago. Saying exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Now there's a book out written by a man by the name of Joseph Murphy. You've never heard tell him, but he's a very impressive guy because he comes with a DRS, a PhD, a DDD, and an LLD. Maybe some other things, I don't know. But listen to what this man says. Now, he is a psychologist, psychiatrist. Listen to this man. Yeah, I suppose he's connected with the church. He's a believer. Yes, he is. I don't know what church he belongs to, but he's a layman. 
Listen to this psychiatrist today. When you trust in the Lord to lead, guide, govern, and direct all of your ways, you will become poised, serene, and relaxed as you radiate love, peace, and goodwill to all you are really building a superstructure of happiness for all the days of your life. Well, I declare, here is a psychologist that is living today in our society that is preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ more perfectly than I can. He has put it together. I copied it word for word. There it is. You would expect to hear this from a preacher. But when you hear this from a man that has been trained in the medical profession and has been trained to understand something of the capability and the ability of the human brain, well, I declare he is saying precisely and the same thing, exactly the same thing as this man said long ago that has found its way into the wisdom literature. Happiness is a state of mind. That's what they're saying. Well, when you know that you stop to think about it, you know that's precisely the truth. That is the truth. Extraordinary, simple. And so it is. But beloved, that's not the same as saying it's not important, simple things. The greatest things of life are simple. They're simple. They're dynamic. They're creative. And to practice them will mean some astounding things will happen to you. Or then you begin to look at the Apostle Paul again and the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Oh, what this man said. There in the eighth verse, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, of these, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think, on these things. And the scripture that I've just read to you this morning, did you notice in two places he says in those closing verses, he says, Therefore let no man glory in man, for all things are yours. Notice that statement, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all again. Listen to this. All are yours. All are yours. You are Christ, and Christ is God's. My soul of mine, listen to what this man is saying. Listen to what this man is saying. He's not saying it's something that you're going to acquire, that you're going to get. He is saying that it is already yours. The only thing being is that some of us never get around to claiming what God through Christ has already brought into our lives as a possibility for us. You see, there are certain steps that we can take to make this secret work for me. Two or three just simple things. Beloved, I've lived long enough to know that they work. They're so simple, though. You know, if you're going to be happy, if you're going to have a happiness, it's not going to fade. It's going to come as a result of something that you do. Did you know that? Now, we've already set up the situation for it to happen. When we say all this mind of ours has to do, not our heart, the Jewish people thought it was the heart. When our mind has been touched by the Holy Spirit, I don't care how you say it, whether it's been touched by God, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you've been saved, whatever terminology you want to use, it's all the same. 
This thing right here that we know as the mind and the subconscious mind is the dwelling place of the Holy Temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? You know what he's talking about? This is it right here. You are the temple of God. He didn't say you're going to be, or you might be, or that I hope you are. He said you are, and so you are. Now you might be walking around unconscious of the situation. What a tragedy. But you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit is already dwelling in your subconscious mind to release this awesome power. Now, let me suggest just two or three steps here for you. Try it. I challenge you to try it. I dare you to try it. If you want to be happy, then you must choose to be happy. You must choose to be happy. And if you choose to be happy, some astounding thing will happen to you. The fact is, the multitude do not want to be happy. Now, someone accused me that, preacher, you can preach a lecture if you had not lived with that old aunt of yours that you use as an illustration. Well, maybe a lot of truth in that. But God love her, and I did, too. She never saw a well day in her life. She lived to be 80, but she never saw a well day to hear her tell it. In fact, uh, when I was staying with her and trying to go to school, I found that I could get her started by asking her when I go into breakfast, and Amy, how'd you sleep last night? And how's it go this morning? Oh, and if you, I can just hardly make it. It's just tolerable. That means you can just tolerate today. Just barely tolerate today. You, the level is so confusing, so high, that I can just barely tolerate it. I don't care whether it be Christmas morning, Easter morning, or what morning you want to say something to this old aunt of mine. It's always the same thing. You, you know what she's going to say before she said it. You have got to choose to be happy. Now I remember, this is so typical of people. A lady coming in and she says, I'm just so confused and bewildered that I'm just about ready to blow my brains out and I need help and I've got to talk to someone. And we talked a little while, I said, yeah, I think I can help you, but it's going to take about to 12 months to 16 months to help you. Now I'll help you if you will agree to talk to me one day a week for one hour for 16 months. If not, or a year to 16 months, not, I don't want to take the time to try to help you. Well, we agree to the situation. We set the time and place and so forth and so on and so on. And so she comes in and after we talk for a while, for about six weeks or eight weeks, I ask her the same question. As we go through our interview somewhere, I say, now you want to be happy, don't you? Yes, I, I want to be happy. Now you're choosing to be happy. Yes, I'm choosing to be happy. Then I say to this person more along the line, after she has just told me, now I choose to be happy, I said, tell me about the first 30 minutes that you were awake this morning. From the time you opened your eyes to a span of 30 minutes, tell me what went on. Typical situation. Well, my husband woke me up. He was madder than a hornet. He got up and I'd mismated the socks and he'd put them on and he had one brown one and one green. Well, I came to church the other morning the same way. <laughs> well, I can be disconcerting sometimes. And on top of that, she said, I had to take uh, my pet to the vet this morning. And on top of that, that son of mine, he had a party in the kitchen last night with some of his young friends. And that thing looks like a wreck. It is a mess. Glasses and cups and cigarettes and all that stuff scattered all over everything. It's a total wreck. And I've got a headache. What happens? My beloved, it sounds so simple. But I tell you what every psychiatrist and every psychologist will tell you. Tell you what the scripture is going to tell you. The first 30 minutes 
No, I'll cut it down. The first five minutes in the morning when you wake up, your day is pretty well set. How do you wake up? What do you do when your eyes are open? I remember working with this gal, and every time she'd come through with all that garbage, I'd say, now you choose to be happy. She never did pick up the fact that it was a contradiction of the term. She said, yes, I want to be happy. But every morning she'd wake up with the same garbage in her mind. Now, what if she would have wakened with this? Oh, I have another day with God. I have another day with my friends and my loved ones. I have another day to experience love and to give love. I have another day to work with the Holy Spirit, not for His good primarily, but for my own good. Today, I am surrounded by the love of God. Today, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to manifest Himself in my life again. Today, the Holy Spirit is going to lead me like a man to the things, to the people, and to the opportunities that God has set up for me before the foundation of this world was laid in order that I might be able to fulfill my life in a joyous, happy way. Now, which one of the two people do you think chooses to be happy? The one who got started off wrong because she was upset because she was awakened a little earlier than usual? Or the person who wakes up and turns his mind immediately to God? You choose to turn this marvelous, powerful thing over to God. And just as sure as there'll be a sunrise, you tell me the way you started thinking, and I'm going to tell you what kind of day. People come into that office and said, I woke up this morning with a headache. No, you did not. Oh, yes, I did. I wake up every morning with a headache. No, you didn't. I had a headache when I was sleeping. No, you did not have a headache when you were sleeping. You got to thinking about some bad things and you got a headache. But you know, it's almost impossible to make people believe that. But if you wake up every morning with a headache, you got a problem unless you got a growth in there. It's induced by the way you think. You got to choose happiness. It's a choice. Let me go one step further and say to you that you've got to desire. Now that's a little bit stronger terminology. You've got to, des to desire. You've got to desire. You've got to pray for it. Let it be from the pit of your soul. Let it be from the pit of your heart. Or the more perfect terminology today as we understand it. Let it be from the pit of your subconscious mind. Some of us have been living unhappy so long that we think it's a sinful to be happy. I was talking to a lady not too long ago and I said, you have everything in the world to be happy for. You have everything that needs to make a person happy. And I was trying to talk to her in her terminology. You have everything to be happy for. You have your health, you have this, you have that, you have the other, you have everything. She looked at me and she said, well, preacher, she says, how can I be happy when I know that there's suffering and hunger in the world? We have been unhappy so long that we actually think it is sinful to be happy. Isn't that tragic? We must desire. Do you desire to be happy? Then let your mind dwell on those things that are positive. Don't let fear creep into your mind. Stop this business of worry. Don't be angry. Don't hate anybody. You cannot afford it. Forget about your failures. Forget about what happened yesterday. Whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. Forget about it. Today you have a golden opportunity. 
If you let your mind dwell on those bad things and everybody in this room has got enough bad things in their life, if they dwelt upon they wouldn't be able to see anything but gloom and doom. But beloved, let me tell you something. You had the most wonderful thing to happen to you and for you that ever could possibly happen to a human being. Jesus has paid the price for every sin that you have ever committed. He has already taken yesterday back with him. It's gone forever. Forget it. Wipe it out, good or bad. You have an opportunity today to do something fantastic, to live, and to turn this marvelous mind loose of yours so that it can really be creative and dynamic. Practice happiness. You've got to practice it. Happiness is a harvest of seed that is sown. That's what Paul was saying. You sow all these positive good things in your life. If there be any virtueness, think on the good things. Well, of course it is, Paul. You're trying to tell us something is beautiful. Of course it is. You're right. And then there will be peace and poise and security. Think of the fact that you're divinely guided, and indeed you are by your mind. And your mind will know happiness. And it will know productivity. It will know peace and tranquility. There is a tremendous power in your life now. Not that you're going to get it tomorrow or the next day. The scripture tells us that it's already there to be released. And this power, I don't care what you name it, we know it as the Holy Spirit. It is already there. Turn it loose. Let it be creative and dynamic in your own life. Trust it. And you will overcome every difficulty. And you will be a person of confidence. And your greatest dreams, your greatest dreams will become a reality. Let me quote to you again from another man. An old Greek philosopher that we don't remember unless you read some of the after the Greek philosophers. But listen to this old Greek philosopher. He says there is but one way to tranquility. There is but one way to tranquility of mind and happiness. Not two, not three, not four. There is only one way to tranquility of mind and happiness. Let this therefore be always ready at hand with thee, both when thou walkest early in the morning and all the day long, and when thou goest late to sleep, to account no external thing thine own. To account no external thing thine own, but commit all of these to God. Not a half a dozen ways to peace and tranquility. Not a half a dozen to happiness. Only one. And all of these people that I have quoted you point their finger at the one place. What you conceive right in here, beloved, by and large, though your world becomes. Now listen to that statement. I wish it was original with me, but it's not. But it's so. By and large, what you think and store right in here and you look out to the world, the world becomes that to you. That becomes your world. That becomes your world. What an awesome, powerful, creative thing this mind is. Feed into it the good things. And just as sure as there be a sunrise, another. Is how sure that I can tell you is that the good things are going to come back to you in the most fantastic way that unless you have tried it, it will be unbelievable to you until you do. 
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 